there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs> Probably like getting grade 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time, whether, you know, there's two types of turds, you're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean... <laughs> Um, we're, we're, we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays. Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson. Sitting across from me this week, I teased it last week. I'm very excited it came to fruition. Chris Schmidt. Howdy, What's howdy. Up, What's up, man? How are you? I'm good. I told uh, Greg Smith this last week, and our guy Chris Gorman said this before you got here, that we needed to intro this as the, the most ambitious crossover in the history of Nebraska radio slash podcasting. Why not? So I'm, my, my crossover skills on the court are a lot to be desired. We can absolutely do this, man. I'm happy you're here. Usually you're the one asking the questions, so this time I'm going to be asking you questions. Grill me. And I'm going to be getting your thoughts. My thoughts are I should still be down in Arizona. We should be doing this long distance. Oh, how did that trip go, by the way? It's great, man. Golfed a lot. Uh, I didn't golf to the level of Jay Moore. But I, you know, I, I came home with, with one golf ball and a Only little bit one? of sun. Well, I got 12 for Did Christmas. Did you lose a bunch? A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> are we talking water or are we talking lost in the rough? We, we got drink, it got wet, and then the public course we went to, beautiful scenery, and Phoenix is surrounded by mountains. And the public course we went to was, was cool. But the neighborhood surrounding the public course, you ever see Boys in the Hood? No, you've not seen Boys in the Hood? No. It's on the National Archive of Film Registry. It's phenomenal. It's How Ice old Cube's at 1991. It's, okay, so that was four years before I was born. You know I, have, I have plausible deniability in this case. <laughs> but it's on. <laughs> Stop and watch it. Wow. But no, the, the point is, is every house around where I'm digging out of. The desert, there was a pit bull and bars on the windows and some dude in a stocking hat staring at me. Moral of the story, stay on the fairway. Yeah, stay on the fairway. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're back. So am I. Um, but I, I didn't get an arm ripped off there by Chachi the pit bull. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want to start with basketball. <laughs> Man. Because watching this team feels like getting your arm ripped off. It does. And there's there's two types of pain, right? One that'll make you stronger, one that makes you want to go away. And I look at this basketball team and the Iowa game, tough to watch, especially the start. Uh, the Penn State game, that second half, looked like they were tapping out. Not necessarily. For the first time, really. Like right, I, all year. Like, I mean, they're the, end, the little engine looked, that could. It looked bad against Creighton, but they, they, they didn't just roll over in the second half. That, no. that Penn State game was the first time I was like, oh, man. They really kind of and, – and you kind of saw it a little bit against Iowa, too, where it's like, man, these guys are like, all right, let's just get to the next game. No, they did, and, and Fred said, you know, look, it's going to be a week off from a, from a schedule standpoint, but it's not a week off for us. We're going to go hard. I'm going to find who my competitors are. And what happened, you go get drilled for Iowa that, that was out for blood, especially losing 
like they did and how they shot at PBA. So, okay, it wasn't the, the desired result. You probably weren't going to beat Iowa, but could you hang with Iowa and, and no was the answer? I mean, that thing got to darn near 40, right? I mean, 38 was the 38, high. Yeah, yeah, 38 was the high in point differential. So I had a little bit of a gut feeling that not only would Nebraska cover the number, but I thought they'd play well. Just when you count this team out. Is against they, Maryland. Yeah, against yeah. Maryland. It's absolutely when they surprise you. And I thought they played their off. Uh, shots needed to fall in the first half. It didn't. They didn't. But they kept battling, and, and they came out with better energy, with great energy in the second half. They drove, and they cut. I mean, it was it was really pretty basketball. And, I mean, I love Hoiberg's ability to to calm his guys down i love his ability to get the whiteboard out and if there's an in-game adjustment that needs to happen like maryland zone the last eight minutes they sent uh cheatham as a cutter to that that free throw yeah, line area it took them a long time to get to that we, we they, they, they were there have like been two teams, or three possessions that were like eh. there well there have been teams that have hit them with a three two zone and they have had no idea how to get to mm-hmm. how to get through it practice and makes perfect derek yeah sure but like <laughs> you should be practicing that in practice it shouldn't sure. be one of those things where that's the only time this season where i've been like okay this is a schematic thing that's like an easy fix because everybody yeah. knows how to attack i, I would zone. put money like, down that they were shown how to do something yeah and they didn't do it and they didn't yeah. do it maybe a little bit I, I, there's, I would put lots of money down. so here's and that's a perfect way to get to the heart of the problem with this team they're just young they're just so young it's just and this was my column this week mm-hmm. it's it's the, the frustrating part of watching this team is not that they're losing because everybody expected them to lose it's that you see like the progress like you see kevin cross look like this weird amalgamation of guard slash wing in a forward's body but it, it he's it, a skinny it, it's, oliver it's miller peaks, with peaks moves and, and range cam mack looks like a phenomenal passer with with next level vision mm-hmm. and then you get games where he's just not in the right mindset he's just I don't even know how to describe some of the, the last couple of games that he's played. There's just so much inconsistency with this team. But you can see the progress and you can see the future potential of this team, which Jacob Padilla wrote about in patting the stats on the website. But it, it's, like, so frustrating because you see it and then it's gone for three or four games. Uh, yeah. I mean, you, you get that glimpse where, okay, is this what they're going to be? Their identity is inconsistency and I think Cam's got that devil and angel on each shoulder okay where I'm going to do what's best for the team a really high percentage of the time but when push comes to shove I'm still a guy that, that wants to get mine to help us win I mean the reason's appropriate but just that last play where he makes an insane move, beats his guy off the dribble like he does, and Turgeon was worried about that leading up to the game, Nebraska's guard speed. And Cam makes a great move, goes up, and Cam and his mates have had issues at the rim because they're just not a tall, physical team down in the paint. They're not. So you've seen Nebraska get rocked in these losses we're talking about when someone goes Matumbo on them. I would have loved to have seen Cam keep the ball and take it because I, I didn't see Thor hanging out around the, the arc. That's the guy I'm most comfortable with catching, or even Kavas. If you're going to drive and kick out, those are my two guys to drive, kick, catch, and shoot. 
uh, is as nice as Hanif had been. I'm still not putting money on him hitting that. <clears throat> It'd be cool to see if he would have proved me wrong. But the shot selection, could you do it? Could you could you make the move and then stop on a dime and just just pop a mid range versus going to the rim? Okay. When you started, I thought you were about to say he should have kicked it out to no. an open three point shooter, but could have could could have. He could have, and I saw a lot of people that said afterwards he should have. The thing that's interesting with this team is the thing that was supposed to be their strength, three-point shooting. Fred Hoiberg has never had a team that has shot below 35% from three. Nebraska's at 33% right now. Yeah, they're going to need to go off. I mean, listen, you, you see Thor's percentage, top four, top three in the Big Ten at 44%. He's been pretty consistent. I don't think he had a great Penn State game. They went at him on the block, and that maybe took him out of rhythm offensively on the other end. Hanif is hit or miss. I don't I don't have his percentage. You probably do. He's at 33.9. 33. Cam Mack is at 34.9. Uh-huh. Deshaun Burke is at 26. Gervais Green is at 28. Kevin Cross is at 29. Doesn't Cross feel like he's... Thor is at 44. Yeah, doesn't Cross feel like he's a higher number? I mean, because he, he stacked some... 17, 18-point games where he really, on those pick-and-pop plays, did a great job of catching. Yeah, but Cross has those games where, like against Maryland, he starts 0 for for 5. So this was the thing, and I wrote about this in my three takes after the game. This was the thing that I loved about the last minute of of play from them is that they're on the road, they're facing a top-10 team, they're they're down one starter, and they have a nicked-up second starter. They did not blink. Kevin Cross is 0 for 5 when he shoots that 3 with 40 seconds left. And I loved the play. Cam drew the guy to the baseline, and he waited that extra second just to draw the Maryland big down just enough to where if he has that kickout pass and he knew that Cross was popping because Cross is really good at doing mm-hmm. that, he he knew that, that the closeout wasn't going to be there. And Cross is 0 for 5 at that point, and he doesn't hesitate. He shoots it with confidence, and I loved that. And I think that that's something that – when you look at this team – and you try to find areas where Fred Hoiberg has impacted things, look there. Mm-hmm. And then with with Cam's last second thing, like I don't have any issues with him shooting a floater or trying to get he's to the your, basket. because guy. Even though the free throws are what they are, he's shooting, I think, 58%, which is awful. That needs to go up. There's, no, get, there's no excuse for a got, point guard to shoot butchered. 58%. He got butchered a bit. There was incon- When I was ticked off, I talked about this yesterday, where you have 18 free throw attempts by Maryland, uh, if they get breathed on going to the rim, it's it's a whistle. Well, Anthony Cowan had more free throw attempts in the first half than Nebraska did as a team. Right. So, and, and I thought the call on Charlie was garbage. I thought there was there was about two or three hits on Cam, and Cam tried to avoid contact getting to the rim, but he still got bumped. You could have whistled that, and then with Smith. I mean, he's, you know, I don't know if he has Shaq's foot size, but it's they're not tiny. <laughs> he's clearly on the end line. Oh, he was stepped out of bounds. No, I know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. how, how was that missed? Yeah, that was something I was kind of surprised that it wasn't. How do you miss a foul? How do you miss an out of bounds? I was surprised it wasn't more talked about after the game because, I, like, when I saw it real time, I was like, was this foot out of bounds when he touched the I, ball? And then I saw the replay and I was like, yeah, his foot was definitely out of bounds when he touched the ball. And that's just something that you got to miss. But what I was going to say is I like Cam's. Um, continued assault on the basket, even though he knows he's not he's not finishing well around the rim, he's not shooting well at the free throw line, and he's not consistently getting calls that he should probably be getting. Yet he's still attacking it, and I appreciate that. I thought it was a pretty big grow up game for him as he he, he scuffled. And listen, he he only had two points, but man, he he could have had 
18 assists. He finished with eight, but he didn't force it, Derek. He was so patient and good about getting his guys involved. He did what was best for the team, and I thought that was impressive. Back to that angel and devil on each shoulder. Are you going to try and get yours and force it, or are you going to do what Fred says? And and when Nebraska does do that, it seems like things work. Uh, Quick take on Maryland. They have Final Four talent, but they go to sleep too many times defensively. They need to step, and they've won close ball games, so credit them for that. But they they have made games closer than they needed to be. So I I guess I'm selling a little bit of stock in Maryland, and that's not a shot or a slide at Nebraska. I think the team playing best right now, and a team that's really built for a really strong close is Penn State. I mean, they're they're looking great. They're experienced. They've had some ups and downs. I think they're good. Sparty kind of surprised me with I Illinois. I was really good. Yeah, I was really talented. Luka Garza can ball. He can ball. I don't like Iowa's defense. I mean, they, they try to outscore you versus try and stop I you. just didn't like in the Iowa – not to get too far off track. I didn't no, like sorry, in the I Iowa game. They were dominating inside with Luka Garza to open that. He had 10 points in the first seven minutes, first seven minutes of the game, and then he gets subbed out, and they completely go away from the inside-out game that they were threes. playing in. And it was it was like, why are you doing this? Because what you were doing before was clearly working, <laughs> and you've let Nebraska get back into the game. So um, Sometimes yeah. you outthink yourself as coach. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes. I made the joke that they just turned uh, offensive play calling duties over to Brian Ferentz for that Okay. One. Well, Ferentz is all about style points, my man. <laughs> that and a bowl of chili. What do you want to see from this team the rest of the season? Give me more Maryland efforts. And I'm, you know, not to go moral victory guy here, but give me a little consistency that you're going to be in every game. I think there's a point, though, where you do get defeated mentally, where – why hasn't this happened? Well, this is what we talked about with football. They just need to see a win. It's mm-hmm. you can you can be right there on the doorstep time after time seen after a time. Couple. But if you don't see that win, you're going to start to doubt that you can actually get over that hump. Well, like, but they've had early evidence where you beat Maryland, uh, where you beat uh, Iowa, and you beat Purdue. So you you did taste a little success mm-hmm. early, and then you're right there against Rutgers, Indiana, a couple of times. You could have won both of those games. Played played great basketball against Indiana on the road. So, yeah, they, they needed to see that Rutgers thing happen, and I think they were really defeated. And I think that lingered. I think they were so distraught that they didn't get that done that once once they got down to Penn State, it was kind of easy to roll over a little bit. You get chewed out for a little bit against Iowa during the week, and and you're maybe questioning a, a, a touch. But, yeah, you got back on track. You got your mind right, and you came in the right way down with a lot of adversity. Fred said this team's a bunch of front runners uh, when they started. I'm seeing less of that front-running mentality, at least based on the Maryland effort. Hey, it's gettable against Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah, I thought after the Iowa game, it was going to be really interesting to see how they opened um, play against Maryland because it was, you know, Fred's talked a ton this season about how do you respond to adversity, mm-hmm. and they had their teeth kicked in against mm-hmm. Iowa. And it Lost was, their teeth. Do you do you phone it in? Because basically, I mean, at this point, you know your season's not going going mm-hmm. to amount to anything, so do you just phone it in, or um, do you continue to fight? And, and, you know, I thought before the season started, just based on the way that they play offensively, the, the threes and free throws, mm-hmm. that style, one night you're going to be hot, and one night you're going to beat a team you're not supposed to beat. And when the Maryland game started, I was like, I wonder if this is that night. Um, they're not shooting f- from the perimeter anywhere near the clip that they need to be to upset one of these teams. But, I mean, they could. 
They, yeah. they, you always can in mm-hmm. basketball. A 16 beat a one. Like yeah. it can always happen in basketball. You just have to get hot. And I thought before the season they could they could down one of these teams. I don't know They've, if that game's still out there or not. I think the they got the, Michigan at home. Michigan State at home. No, I you know, and that's that's the game we circle every year. We have shipped Junior out of town that week. He's going to be <laughs> at spring training. But oh yeah. The wife wants to go see Sparty. And and her boyfriend Cassis Winston, as she tells me. So, it's like good luck. You go get uh, seat yourself for that. <laughs> Sparty man, what a win! Come back, finish against Illinois. Didn't think that was going to happen, and then then it did. And you got Illinois still left on the schedule. It'll be interesting to see how they respond against Wisconsin. Badgers, because- man, Nebraska played well. They battled back. Similar kind of a Maryland situation against Wisconsin. Wisconsin. They end up with 19 threes that game. School record. The school record, yeah. They they went they went off. Uh, does the Nebraska student section have anything special planned for uh, Mr. Brad Davison visiting? I mean, are they going to be wearing any protective gear? That guy. I mean, when Bob Knight showed up, he's the wait, college version of Matthew Delvadova. A little bit. When when Bob Knight showed up 100 years ago, the student section had hunting vests on because he had had an. <laughs> himself an accident with somebody he took hunting. Uh, I'm just wondering what type of uh, welcome the student section is going to have for, for Braddy D. It'd be interesting. If you're Fred Hoiberg and you're in the midst of, what is it, nine games now that they've lost in a row? Eight or nine? Nine. Nine games. Would you rather have be coming off of an Iowa loss going into a home game against Wisconsin or a Maryland kind of loss? An Iowa loss being you've lost by, I mean, you're down by 40 points or a Maryland loss where... You had a shot at the buzzer to upset a team. What, like, what do you think Fred is feeling? I think Fred right now just wants a win, doesn't care how or why it happens. I think the mentally you get your teeth kicked in, all right, it's time to show up and go all out. But, no, the Maryland, coming off a Maryland loss like that just kind of proved to them that what they're capable of again, right? You maybe, have, maybe would have had some more doubt uh, coming off an Iowa loss like that. So give me the Maryland. They're they're both gut punches in their own right, but the close loss is always a lot more painful, and, and maybe your motivation's hopefully always high. But I think you were so close against number nine, as there's a turtle drawing there on the whiteboard behind you. I, I, I think that's a turtle. You think that's a turtle? Like, maybe. Is yeah. it weird that the initial thing that popped into my head when I looked at that was that it was a toilet seat? Uh, no. With the cover up. Okay, so someone just just drew a smiley face. Or it looks like a a, a very poorly you, drawn Abraham Lincoln with a top hat and a you, massive you, beard. You you dearly said, you know, turtle head and toilet, right there. I have the utmost respect for Maryland basketball. So do I. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you artwork? Ha- sorry. <laughs> Did you happen to listen to the podcast last week? I have not yet. Greg and I talked about trades. If okay. there were trades in college football, please tell me who would who who could Nebraska trade for, and what would they have to give up? Mm. You're on the spot here. Greg had time to prepare. I'm just curious if there's anything off the top of your head because we're going to transition to football in a second. I'm just give curious. me give me the kid out of Penn State, the linebacker, Micah Parsons. Give me Micah Parsons that was here for. Friday Night Lights and ran go routes. Give me, give me, uh, Micah Parsons, and I will trade you two luxury suites at Memorial Stadium. <laughs> you got to give him a player, man. 
We can't just trade. Okay. You can't, you can't trade luxury. This is we're not USC here dealing with like black market negotiations. My kids a rower. Okay. Um, I'd have to give more than one and Here, some, me, somebody let, to be named later. Let me give you what my trade was. Okay. So my number one, and, and Greg and I both agreed that, that the teams that were trying to get these trades to accept would never accept these deals. My number one was I'm going to give Oregon, Luke McCaffrey, J.D. Spielman, and I think a lineman, I think, for, for, K- for Kayvon Thibodeau. Thibodeau's awesome. I think that dude is the next, the next great edge rusher. In college football, he already is, and, and that's what is, Nebraska needs. He's young, yeah. so and Parsons. I know he didn't have like the Alvin Smith uh, sack numbers, okay, but if they if they turn him loose off the edge to get after the quarterback, he could, yeah, because he's such a complete player. So it's interesting that you went with Michael Parsons. We're both in the same boat. the The number one priority, if you could just go pluck any guy from somewhere else in college football and put him on Nebraska, is an edge rusher, pass rusher, that outside linebacker, defensive end kind of role. Please. So we are getting into, we're getting close to spring football now. Um, Nebraska is about to finish up with winter conditioning, getting ready for spring football. They're going to have summer things like that. Blaze Gunnarsson is here. It'll be a big summer for Caleb Tanner. Is that a position that when you look at, you say this is the most important thing for them this offseason? It is. And, I mean, you obviously want to see Adrian have a bounce back. I mean, he's he's going to be the catalyst. But you, you need uh, lots of impact from your defensive line. And you went shopping. All right? You went shopping big time this offseason in the world of recruiting. You get Phil Darius Payne. Uh, is is a guy that is supposed to come in and do some work. Uh, that is, we'll see if it can happen. You hope it can happen with him being a JUCO kid. Ben Stilley's had decent sack numbers throughout his career. And I know Payne and, and Stilley are both hand-in-the-dirt guys. But listen, man, give me give me somebody that's on the line to get some pressure that can kind of help either collapse things or make it a little easier for that edge guy. Because what, what Nebraska's absolutely struggled and struggled too much. And this, this is a program that has printed, printed NFL rush ends. All right. They, they have led the nation or been in the top five in the nation in sacks. And they just didn't catch lightning in the bottle. They, they, they did it for decades. You go back, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s. I mean, they have had a incredible collection of guys that played for a lot of years on on Sundays, and it's it's laughable to think the last time they had a defensive line. I mean, we're we're going on five, six years now with Gregory, with Vincent, with Malik. I mean, it, it shouldn't be like that. Can Jakeem Green get rocking? I know he's maybe more of a run stuffer, but you know I'm talking SEC footprint guy. Those guys are supposed to be able to get after. I'm going based off of reputation and and guys that have preceded them. But dude, give me a pass rusher and give a, a good secondary an even better chance to make a pick. Oh, be get in somebody's face. A great secondary. They have. They're going to be a. I, they have the chance to be a great secondary. Okay, uh, you, you know. Do you disagree with that? No, because 
Deontay's so good at being a ball hawk. He's such a downhill fast guy. I love that he'll be back at safety. Um, I think missing Lamar is going to be an issue, but I think you got some guys behind him that have been biding their time that could be okay. But just get me a, get me an edge guy. Yes, because pass rush makes even okay secondaries look great. Mm-hmm. Um, that guy's – they're banking on internal improvement. They're banking on – well, they need to be one of Damian Daniels, Ben Stilley, Ty Robinson, Jakeem Green, one of those mm-hmm. guys being somebody that can consistently command the double team on the – well, let's let's spend a little bit of time here on Caleb Tanner, okay? And Caleb, well, it's a, such a big summer for him. It is. He came in underweight. The mm-hmm. plan all along was for him to to n- not overextend himself in his first year, and then last year he w- really was allowed to not just dip his toe in the water, but really get out there and try to make some plays and look good he against Col- flashes. Look good against Colorado. He showed flashes, but they really need him because Alex Davis played so much at the other outside linebacker spot and there was such little production mm-hmm. that would correlate with how much he played. They just need someone to be that guy and and all signs point to Caleb Tanner. That's what they've been building towards. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just going to be such a big summer for him. Well, it is. And I mean, he's he's a guy that's that's a junior. And, and I, I get the caution with with him and not wanting to put too much weight on him, right? But you need that happy medium of being able to carry Big Ten weight but keep your explosiveness off the edge. And you can't really be a one-trick pony. Yeah, you can get in on, on third down and go raise hell after the quarterback, but Nebraska would like to, to have a, a three-down guy. And Tanner's got the athleticism to do it. Nico Cooper is a guy that, uh, is also from the JUCO ranks that, that could be good. Do you think Blaze plays? Do you think they throw some weight on him and get after? I really think Blaze could be the kind of guy that fills the Garrett Nelson role of last year. Sure. Where they like don't expect him to be a guy that's going to burn his Still red run shirt. fast. And then he gets on the field and he plays with his air on fire. Mm-hmm. And they're like, all right, well, we just need this guy's energy on the field. And then he ends up burning his red shirt. Is Doman a guy that can get eight sacks this year? Because he's been your your you know, your pocket knife. I just don't know what they're going to do with him because... They've yoked him up. Yes. So he can be off the edge. But what are you doing with Cam Taylor-Britt? Because they really, really like Braxton I would, Clark. I would love to have and see, if, see them put on about 20... Well, give me, give me 15 more pounds and put Cam off the edge. If Clark is going to be the guy that fills Lamar Jackson's shoes, which they kind of hope that he can be, mm-hmm. then... And this isn't a bad thing, but then you're left with Cam Taylor-Britt and trying to figure out where to place him because they like him better at corner than they do at safety. If you've got Deontay Williams and Markel Dismuke there at safety, there's not really a prime role for him at well, safety and anyway. Well, and your young pups that are coming in that could play some yeah. safety. So you need – like, it would be really interesting to see what they do with him and what they do with Jojo Doman because they got two guys there who can really be like a jack-of-all-trades kind of guy mm-hmm. in the – be that, that ath- be that hybrid athlete off the edge. And, you know, Cam, I don't know if they'll do this, and maybe I'm just talking crazy, but Cam's such a good athlete that if, if you put some weight on him, could he be that Doman role in the future? Not that he can't. I, just, I think Doman is, like, every time he's on the field, he makes a play. Yeah. When he's healthy and he's on the field, he makes a play. So, I mean, he could he get eight sacks? Yeah. The thing that... 
that I have spent almost this entire offseason wondering about and looking at is Baylor under Matt Rule. He came in, they were 1-11, and he gets them to 11-3. and And one of the things that he said was going to be their roadmap to getting there was turning a defense that wasn't great at taking the ball away and wasn't great at generating negative plays. He said if we have 40 sacks and 30 intercept or 30 takeaways, mm-hmm. we're going to be really, really good. And, and they were. They did it. Mm-hmm. And they were. So, and, and it was one of those situations I read a ton about what the guys were saying. It wasn't one of those things where, like, they they felt like those numbers were impossible and completely unattainable, regardless of what they had. Because I think before, like, the year before he got there, they were at, like, 20 sacks and, like, 15, 20 takeaways or something like that. Like, they weren't close. And it well, was just a huge... Ahead, it was the same. No, it was, it, Baylor's priority shifted, right? You go from Bryles and an offensive coach with an offensive mindset and let's score 65 in the Big 12 to Rule, who's a defensive coach. You look at his Temple teams, and he made it an emphasis, and no better place to garden freaks off the edge than the state of Texas. It's a lot of – well, it's a lot of the same – philosophies that Shenander has. He wants it, you to run is. the ball. He wants you to play with your hair on fire and no fear of failure. And, and, and if you, you got, do that, good things are going to happen. And you, and you have a bunch of kids that were able to do that at a high level, same conference that Rule came from down at Central Florida. What do you have for Nebraska? And, and listen, I think Nebraska has recruited well. You need to see some more production uh, off the um, off the edge we're talking about. Yeah, you have – from a returning production standpoint at linebacker, and I love these previews Hale Varsity did, you wrote on the linebackers, where you look at look at what's what's back. Colin Miller uh, is a guy that early in his career they, they used as a third down guy, and I know he's inside now, but he's such a good athlete, he's so fluid. He's a guy that they can bring in as well. They just got to go out and do it and have somebody step up and and use that ability. They have guys that can do it, right? It's they just got to unlock it a little bit. Defense. The defense is going to be a work in progress. I think all season long. I don't think it's going to be because I, last year the defense really carried them in situations, and I don't think that's yeah. going to be the case again this year. This year, um, so Nebraska's back in the top twenty-five. Mm-hmm. S and P. They came in at number twenty-five. Saw um, that. Brandon Vogel wrote about that on Hale Varsity on Thursday. So go read that. They are. Uh, uh, they're not going to hit any top 25 polls, coaches of the AP. No. Um, in a lot of places, either listening to national people talk about college football or seeing national people write about, like, surprises. Like, Nebraska feels toxic in the sense that those guys don't want to get they burned They got burned again. last yeah, they, year for doing it. They don't want to be – they're afraid that they're going to be made to look foolish again. So they're, everybody's kind of avoiding Nebraska. And I think that's a really interesting place to be because – Nebraska's not going to garner that offseason hype, but would or, they be— Or pressure. Would they, or pressure, that's the thing. Would they be a little bit more deserving of offseason attention this year than last year? They the are. Thing that's, the thing to me that is going to decide everything is the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Sure. So what do you want to see from the offense in spring ball that will make you be like, all right— Yes, maybe they are a little bit more deserving this year than they were last year of the attention. Well, I mean, you, you've got a, a number of guys back. You got your your cornerstone in Hymas. You've got a comfortable Cam Jurgens, and you've got a Jurgens that that really got better as the year went on. Um, you need to find a, another guard 
for Hickson, and I like Hickson. I like his grit, and I love his determination. But you need to solidify that. And I, and I think of the Iowa game. Even right. Piper and Matt Farniak? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and I like Piper a lot. I mean, he's a he's a scrappy dude from Norfolk uh, that just wants to to harm people. <laughs> you know, he's got that attitude. I think Ben Hart is a guy they feel good about. And yeah, you move Farniak, big Farniak, older Farniak inside. I mean, isn't that the plan? Isn't that the plan? To, Eventually, yeah. You to, want to, Bryce ben Hart to, to let Ben Hart be your guy. Do you start the year with him? Do you see how spring goes? If he if he does well enough, do you, do you make that move in? It depends on how physically he, ready he looks in spring and summer. Well, I, he he's had a year like to, to hit the training table, to hit the weight room. And from a cognitive standpoint, is he going to be able to get it down? And I, I think that... He's a guy that they feel pretty good about. We'll see. We'll see what Greg Austin gets his guys to do this spring, and then they, they can evaluate. Uh, do you, does Turner see some time? No. No? No. It's just so hard to play in the trenches as a true freshman. I don't Regardless disagree. Regardless of what you come in looking like. You've got depth, though. I mean, Bo Wilson started. He's a senior. Uh, you're going to get Christian Gaylord back, and, and he's really persevered. He's excited to be back, and he was excited before the injury last year because he was getting reps. He was getting better. He had told me in a sit-down that, I don't know, maybe there was 30 reps in one of his seasons during the previous administration where, all right, you're not part of the one-twos, so you're just maybe not practicing that much. Um, no, I like I like Piper a lot. Uh, Hickson's put some snaps in Brock Bando's a kid that's uh, that's a local product that has shown the ability so you, you're gonna have depth and depth depth with snaps in them in some heated moments to come in so no I think the offensive line is gonna gonna be a, a drastic jump from the last two years just because they've been through it they're comfortable Greg Austin's always been a good developer. He's got that old-school mentality, tough guy mentality. And I think you're going to see Nebraska, if things go the way that, that we think they can and, and, and progress, I think you could see Nebraska's rushing total get back to that 275, 250, 275. Those, those Oregon numbers are the throwback Nebraska numbers where they're going to run and and still sting you with play action. Would it, were you surprised to see Nebraska in Bill Conley's top 25? No, because Bill's a guy that puts his numbers together, and he has data to support it. And he went through and looked at plays and successes and the experience side of things. Nebraska's schedule's brutal, but Nebraska's got a third-year starter back at quarterback. They've got some high-level young pups coming in at wide receiver. You still got JD. You've got Mills at running back that it really seemed to click for him. And in all honesty, I mean, you have you've 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 got five guys that have started the several games together. Whether you make a change or someone beats somebody out at guard or tackle, so be it. You you have a starting group back, and I think the the two backs, uh, Scott, and your kid out of Oklahoma, are. Are nice. Plus, you got Ramirez, and we'll see what Tompkins can do. So, no, the offense should be fantastic, and it should jump 
about a touchdown or so when it comes to points produced. Back to your point about who's carrying who, right? I mean, I think the offense can, can do a lot of things. Uh, the offense went, went milk carton a few times in, in, in some big games where they'd have a quarter. And you've seen it the first couple of years where they'd come out of the gates firing, there'd be a lull, and then, okay, let's get some points in the fourth quarter. The third quarter was an issue for this team from time to time. Well, they won a Northwestern game 13-10. And if you'd asked Scott Frost when he got here if he was ever going to win well, a game 13-10 here, he won he would the Michigan State no. game 9-6. to Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and he said, like, he was like, if, if you had asked me if I would have won one of those games in my first couple of years here, I would have said no. No, because you're not supposed to win that way in college football anymore. Not but, with the way that they play. No, not the way they play, but that, that's, the, that's the reality in the Big Ten. You know, people ugly it up, and it's – uh, maybe not three yards in a cloud of dust stylistically, but from a from a brute strength standpoint, it's it's physical. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. Ben Hart is going to be interesting. Want to see, see it? See what happens with him in spring if he can take that position, and, and if not, let's just make sure everyone's healthy. What happens at guard? That could derail things too if someone gets dinged for an extended period of time. You know, they're going to try and amp up. And, and be more physical. That's always kind of a, a staple of Greg Austin's lines. And, uh, you know, that a defense won't back away from that. You want physical play, but you don't want injury to come out of being more physical. Do we have any news this week? I don't, I don't feel like we had any Nebraska-related news no, this week. not really. It was a quiet week. It's been a quiet week, and it's going to be a, a quiet winter until spring ball gets here. I mean, I think Nebraska's done a lot of dialing back uh, when it comes to... Oh, hey, we got opponent schedule Okay. news that I was just shown. Hold on, let me see this. A home-and-home with Oklahoma State for 2034. (laughs) Yeah, great. Twenty thirty four in Lincoln and twenty thirty five in Stillwater. I've never been to Stillwater. The I've text. seen a lot of Okie State games, and I went to the one in Arrowhead way back when in nineteen ninety eight. But so, yeah, you, you're, Nebraska's following through. They want to play more Big Twelve, old Big Eight teams. Yeah. So why not? That's Moose's thing. He wants Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. You can, you can get away State, with Kansas with Kansas with, uh, and Kansas Hatter down there. He wants them on the schedule, so that'll be fun. San, Di- San Diego State in twenty thirty, Ohio in twenty twenty six. Oh, is Solich still going to be at Ohio in twenty six? That's six years from now. Frank's at seventy five right now. That'd make him eighty three. No, eighty one. Eighty one, right? If he's seventy five, six what? years from now. Oh, I'm awful at math. Forgive me. Is he 77? No, he's Oh, he's 75? Okay, so then 81. 81, I didn't mean to just, like, put you on blast. No, put me on blast because you carry the one. God, that was bad. UTEP in 24. I'll edit it out. No, don't. UTEP in 2024 and then again in 2024. I think think Frank's got a couple more years, and then it's time to go do push-ups somewhere else. You got plans for 2034? Hope to be around. (laughs) <laughs> we can't end on a morbid note. So 14 years from now. 2035 and Stillwater will make a hill of our same trip. I hope to keep working and, and be around. How's I'll that? Take you guys to Eskimo Joe's. That's a good spot. I've never – is Stillwater just 
tough to look at, let alone stay in. Yes. Their campus is so spread out, and there's nothing there. Is there a fence around it so no but, one can escape? <laughs> it's not that bad. The f- Boom Pickens and, and then Gallagher Iba attached to it are pretty cool. Yeah, well, they better be. It's oil money. Yeah, they're pretty cool. Um, okay, is Gundy still there? No. Is Gundy's mullet the writing, still there? Again, this is going to be morbid, but the writing on the wall for Gundy appeared when um, Boone Pickens passed away. Well, but Boone wanted him out. They no, had been, Boone wanted him in. They, Boone, they, they, Boone they had, was they had, his had, biggest supporter. It was Mike Holder that wanted him gone. They, they, had, they, had, they had got chippy with each other, and then they made up. Yeah, Boone was fine with Gundy. It was Holder that didn't appreciate the because Gundy has kind of plateaued, and this is the sentiment amongst most of that fan base but, but is that he's get, he's gotten comfortable with them. Listen, Gundy's always going to get your quarterback, and he's going to get you. The guy finds insanely dynamic offensive weapons. Yes, but ignores weapons in his backyard. Why does Savion Morrison leave that state without an offer from Oklahoma State? I don't know. I because, will tell you why. Because, because they were recruiting another Tulsa running back that they had no chance of getting. They just wanted the bigger splash. They just wanted the bigger splash. And he only he only offered one. So did that Tulsa back end up going to OU? No. He didn't have an OU offer either. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That state's weird. I'm telling you, man. Recruiting in that state is weird. And, but, but, and we've talked about this. Not to, you know We've talked about this so many times. Oklahoma can get away with it because they can pull five-star kids out of California and Florida and Texas. Sure, Oklahoma State can't get away with it. Like You can't get away with not offering four-star talent in your state and that talent going to other Power 5 schools. You look at, at Dez and Blackman and who's the 500-year-old quarterback they had there not long ago? Brandon Whedon. Whedon, yeah. <laughs> um, and then, the I mean, Hunter. I mean, they, they had some sick backs. Kendall, oh man, I haven't heard that name in a while. He's Kendall, good. Yeah. It's great. And then uh, the cheetah. I mean, he was at Oklahoma State until he wasn't. Tyreek Hill. Yeah, wasn't he at Oki State and then oh, got that's dismissed? True. And he got dismissed from the program. Mm-hmm. I forgot about that one too. But that's they. They're good at development. Well, they're good at finding guys, and then they at least get dudes on the field that may have some <clears throat> character issues that can go ball. They do. Yeah. You're just staying silent on that. You <laughs> want to drop the hammer on OT State so bad. No. It's all right, man. We will plan our trip for 2034. 2035, actually, is when they go to Stillwater. And we'll, uh, we'll talk shop. How about a, how about a neutral we'll site? Shop on let's the do, drive a, out let's there. do a three-year series. At some point, they need to get Kansas or Kansas State or Missouri um, at the, uh, the home of the Chiefs. It's Missouri. Missouri, sorry. Says Clausburn. Kansas City Chiefs. Hey, that was the best game ever, man. It was a lot of fun. Great state of Kansas. That way we can. uh, Is there is there gambling? That was some news this week. To stepping up when it comes to saying no to sports wagering in the state of Nebraska. I did not see that. Is is there is there legal gambling in the state of Missouri? I know there's casinos every five minutes. I don't gamble, so I have no idea about any of this stuff. I do know though that somebody placed a thirty thousand dollar bet on Maryland beating Nebraska straight up. Yeah, almost had a heart attack. Well, he should have. I mean, because (laughs) why do you place thirty thousand on a game that's only going to net you one grand? Is that how people make money? Because it was such it was such a sure thing that Nebraska was going to get smoked. I mean, I guess at the end of the day, he came out with a thousand dollars in his pocket. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Barely. 
Schmitty, thank you for coming on the podcast. Hey, man. Hope this went all right. I appreciate it. It was fun. We'll, uh, we'll have to do this again. I'm glad to have you in here. Well, be good, man. Appreciate yeah. you. Make sure to read HailVarsity.com throughout the weekend. We will have coverage on everything. And uh, we'll be back next week with another podcast. Thanks, guys.